Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We appreciate you, everybody, tuning in. We got a good show for everybody today. We're going to talk about Vegas's win streak and what went into it, both good and bad. If uh, you can have a bad seven-game losing win streak, uh, we're going to go around the league. There's some hot news out of Columbus that we're going to dive into. And then Andrew Forbes from the Hockey Writers is going to come on board, and we're going to go in-depth on the Toronto Maple Leafs. So stick around. We're going to have a great show. All right, Golden Knights fans, here we go. We just came off a seven-game win streak. Um, outscored the opposition twenty-three to nine. We got a lot. We got a lot to get to. Um, let me go ahead and bring in Chris. Chris, good day to you on Long Island, sir. Good day to you. Yes, uh, uh, tough game the other night, but you know the Sharks are a good team. So uh, it was a good week. They it was a good week, and they took two two out of three. Always take that. Did what they had to do against the the, the, the Devils and the Rangers. Did pretty well against the Metropo- uh, Metro uh, New York area teams this year, and yep. um, uh, I, I think they went five zero and one. Um, so, uh, but yeah, the Sharks and you, you know, you got a little glimpse of the formula for the Sharks, you know, 30 minutes for Mr. Burns and 30 minutes for Mr. Carlson, uh, three, two win for them. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a tough game. It was a tough fourth game, one goal game. I mean, it's going to happen. Um, so, but again, they're in good position. I mean, they are. Uh, I think as of yesterday, I haven't. Yeah, I don't think it's changed. They're 12 points up on the fourth place team, so um, which is the Ducks. So uh, I feel good about where the Knights are right now. The question is, are they going to finish first, second, or third? Yeah, I, I, I think. Um, well, yeah, I, I think they're in the top three in the division, unless you know something horrible happens. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's look at this. Let's look at this win streak because um, there's there's some Brandon Peary news that that locally kind of stood everybody on their head before the Sharks game that I want to get into with you in a little bit. But um, good win streak. I don't think that the team is playing their best hockey yet. Um, I thought maybe the San Jose game was their best, most complete game, um, and and a. a you know, a shot going wide bounces off uh, a shark standing next to the net, goes in behind Flurry. That ends up being the game winner. Um, I thought they carried play. I thought they were the better team that night for the most part. Um, things just didn't go your way, and like you said, the, the, those things will happen. But the, you know, they outscored the opposition during the streak, twenty-three to nine, or or some such, um, and. Another important factor, you, you mentioned they're 12 points up on the Ducks. Um, five of the seven were against Pacific Division opponents. Um, well, four, you started with Colorado, which was a good win, 2-1. to one. But then you played the Kings, which was their third game against the Kings in, in two and a half weeks. Um, Arizona, then you had the Kings again, then you had Anaheim, and, you, and then you mentioned they, they ended up with New Jersey and New York. And I think the combined winning percentage of those teams was like two, maybe um, something like that. You had uh, Colorado, which is 16th in the league overall. Uh, 
two games against the Kings, obviously, last. Then you had New Jersey at 27, the Rangers at 24. The best team they played in that streak besides Colorado, Arizona, or Anaheim, sorry, at 19, and then Arizona's at 23. So decidedly bottom-dweller teams in that streak. Um, they're supposed to beat those teams by a combined 23-9 to score, especially when the majority of those wins are at home. Um, they have, uh, once again, uh, top three home records in the league, I believe, just behind Tampa. And I want to say... Boston and Toronto, I think, is up there in home wins, too. Um, but, yeah, they, they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Um, I, there's a few games in there where, where it seemed, seemed like the, the New Jersey game was a very pedestrian-type win. I believe that was the game they fell behind 2 to nothing. And then, yeah, yep. Heesher and, and Lovejoy scored. I, I, and I hate it when you, look at the, when you look at the stat line and it's uh, Lovejoy, parentheses, one parentheses where you, where you, you know you're 40 games into the season and you give up a goal to somebody for their first goal of the season that always bothers me but Revo Revo came back kind of sparked him before the end of the first period kind of went in alone and and uh be be contained with a wrister and then second period they they go on and get two more with Pacioretty the eventual game winner um but that was that was, seemed to be a little lackadaisical I guess you would say but you know they beat they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Then they're back at it tonight against Chicago. Um, as far as I know, at this time, Brandon Perry will be in the lineup. But I don't know how much you heard about this, Chris. On Thursday, you know Brandon Perry has fast become the fan favorite, and we've talked to him a little bit about that on this show. Um, Thursday he was sent down again. Yes. And two hours later he was called up again, and and a lot of people kind of locally on Twitter and, and what have you, uh, didn't really know what was going on. And, and Ken Belke at Sinbin.Vegas uh, wrote, a, wrote an article that pretty pretty much explained uh, what was happening, even though the Golden Knights don't really give out free information like that. Um, once Riley Smith was designated as not available to play, um, that left the Golden Knights with only 11 healthy forwards with Halla. Uh, Carrier already uh, on the injured reserve list. So what what that does, Perry being waiver exempt, if you send him down, that stops the clock on his um, waiver exempt counter, if you will, where you can go nine full games or 30 full days on the roster before you become, you know, you have to be exposed to waivers before you get sent down. And with that 11 forward uh, healthy forward designation, he was available for an emergency recall, which they used to bring him back to the roster right away. It's basically a paper transaction that allowed them to stop that uh, waiver counter at eight games and still allow him to stay on the, the big league roster and, and play without eating up any of that eligibility. So that's that's really all that was. Um, so as far as yeah, I know, I he's, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I just wanted to get into, and also too, let's be honest. In terms of, I know it's disappointing they came up short against the Sharks, but I don't think I'm uh, I'm, I'm breaking any ground here. But you know, the difference between the Flames, the Knights, and the Sharks is—I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that all three of these teams are right on top of each other in the standings and have very, very similar records. Uh, you know, each team has uh, their strengths and you know where their their strengths and their weaknesses and their different kinds of big players and what they can do and 
things of that nature. But, um, you know, no, no matter how you slice it, um, in a series against these teams, it's going to be a long series, and it's going to come down to a couple plays here or there, or maybe a couple bounces. So, uh, you know, it will be interesting to see, you know, given how tight that is. And then, you know, you could probably – I would probably throw – Nashville and Winnipeg in that in that conversation as well. To me, you know, one of those five teams is going to represent the West in the Stanley Cup. Final. I agree with so that. The difference yeah, be- I agree with that. Yeah. So the so the difference between the teams is is really not that big. I mean, obviously Winnipeg's uh, more probably the most explosive of the bunch, but um, you know, I, you know, and and I want to get uh, you know also talk about uh, as I put in our outline. I don't want to jump the gun here which leads me, you know, in terms of what their plan is going to be at the tread deadline, given what I just said. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, the Sharks are, you know, the Sharks just seem like have gotten a little bit better each month. So uh, uh, that would be a tough series, no doubt. Yeah, we'll talk about getting better each month. I think the uh, more telling stat of where the Golden Knights are is after their 9-12-1 start, um, they've gone 18-4-3 since then. That's pretty, pretty good. Pretty dang impressive considering the injuries they've had, the amount of road games they've played, and earlier in the season the competition that they played when they got a lot of their East Coast and and Canadian trips under their belt for the season. Um, the, then obviously that coincides with Nate Schmidt's return to the active roster. I, I think, and we, and we said this before that if they had got to the twenty point mark or the twenty points in the first twenty games and they would have a uh, 60% point, you know, points for in, in your available games the rest of the way. They would end up right at 100 points, I think, when we were talking about that. Well, right now the Golden Knights are uh, .617, 10th in the league in, in points per game. So, I mean, they're right on track to do what we thought they would do, and now they're heading into the more beneficial part of the schedule. And And I still think – with the way the schedule is for them, I, I, I would still put them the leader in the clubhouse uh, as, as a, a chance to come back and defend their Pacific Division championship. Um, I, I got to see more of Riddich with Calgary if he's really going to grab that number one. Um, I, I've, uh, it's no secret I've never liked Mike Smith with the Flames. I think Martin Jones has been up and down this year. Um, I still believe but in he, him, he, he, he he played his best game of the season, I think, against the Knights yeah. um, Thursday night. He he was fantastic. And I still believe in him, too. I, I, I'm familiar with Martin Jones back when he was a Kings prospect. Um, very good goaltender. And let's, and let's not so, forget, the year, the, a couple of years ago, the Sharks got to the Stanley Cup Finals. He 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 was very big in that playoff, uh, in that run. And I would argue he was their best player in the Stanley Cup Finals. He... I don't want to say single-handedly, but he, boy, oh, boy, he did a lot in the two games that they won. In the games that they lost, he probably might even play better and gave them a chance to win in those games. So I know he, had, I know the save percentage and all that isn't great this year. He hasn't had his best year, but he, he still has time to get everything in gear. I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in him. So am I. It seems like the Knights, and I don't want to say have his number, but there are certain teams that, that – um, Teams match up good against goalie-wise. Um, they The Knights did very well against the Sharks last year. Um, William Carlson, obviously, with uh, 
what turned out to be really the division clinching goal when he came down shorthanded in the third and puck back between his legs, whatever. Everybody knows that goal. Um, and then in the playoffs, I think they ran Martin Jones at least twice in that series um, against him. So if there's an edge there, I, I'm going to go ahead and give that to the to the Knights. But it's going to be tight the rest of the way. I still I'm still not sold all the way on Calgary. They went through a rough stretch. It seems like they've got their wheels back under him. Um, I think it's going to come down really to the Sharks and the Knights of who has to uh, play the 2-3 matchup and who gets to go wild card um, when it comes down to playoff time. But any, anyway, yeah, let's uh, let's let's talk yeah, about the trade Yeah, I want to get inside deadline. into this. Yeah, yeah. because, uh, you know, within the last 12 months, the Knights have made a lot of moves, you know, without rehashing it, the whole from Tatar to Pacioretty and just that aspect of alone, without even getting into the deal for, for Reeves. Uh, um, but long story short, over the last 12 months, they've traded, you know, a number of draft picks, both from last year's draft as well as uh, this upcoming draft. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Prospects. So they've traded quite a bit of futures. Now, they do have uh, three number threes in this year's draft. So they have some depth there, some ammunition, if you will. They have their own one and their own two. So, you know, how does George McPhee and company attack this? Uh, obviously, you know, they have, a, they have a good team. They have a deep team. You know, it's not like you would say this team can't def- you know, isn't strong enough defensively or can't score enough or doesn't have the goaltending. But adding adding a, a, the right piece, be it someone on the on the third or fourth lines, either on offense or defense, or another really good player, could be the difference between losing in a seven-game series in the first round and getting all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. So what's your opinion on how how aggressive the Knights should be with the trade deadline, believe it or not, a little over a month away. I think cautiously aggressive is the way I would put it. I think that um, pending health issues, obviously, that's always a, a factor. Yep. But let's say Riley Smith comes back. He hasn't had a great goal scoring year, but he, he does a lot of things that need to be done to, to keep Carlson and Marsh so uh, successful on that first line. If we can keep Pacioretty in the lineup and Stastny in the lineup and Tuck in the lineup, you, that's I, I think they they will overtake that Carlson line as the most reliable scoring line. That, that line's dynamic. Their speed, uh, Stastny and Tuck both aren't, aren't afraid to go wherever they need to go or, or throw the body to uh, you know get position in the scoring areas. They're good on the wall. Pacioretty's snapshot is is one of the, if not the one of the best in the league. Um, I, I really like what we see out of that line. If we could just keep them together, um, third line's where the issue becomes. Peary, Peary, hopefully, will end up being a staple on the third line. Now they 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 claimed Valentin Zykov on waivers, which actually created a lot of this um, Peary up and down situation because. Once you claim someone on waivers, they you can't send them down. You have to hang on to them on the roster or expose them to waivers again, obviously. And and so that he play, he actually centered that third line against San Jose. Um, 
and you so you 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 got to see what you're going to get out of him. And there was a lot of rumors in town that having Zykov in for that game meant there may be a trade with uh, Eakin and a piece for picks that was about to be announced that didn't go through. That was the the rumor speculation. So is Zykov going to be your third line center? Can you move Eakin? Um, do you want to move Eakin, who's having a very solid solid year for maybe someone who's a little unknown in Zykov? Um, there's questions that they're going to have to answer internally. Do you move a Lindbergh for a fifth? Uh, if you can get a fifth for him to make the roster spot for Peary to let him continue to play. Is Eakin, Carpenter, Peary enough of a third-line threat to provide depth scoring in a, in a seven-game series to where that would be, you know, if you could pick up an asset in the draft? Um, is that enough of a consideration, you know, is Perry going to be your trade deadline move in effect is what I'm saying. Um, so that's a question they're going to have to answer internally. I don't think they need to go and go after a rental, let's say at the cost of right. one of the, I think that, I think they, I think those three picks need to be used unless you trade up in the draft to get another young player. I think they still need to fill out the, the farm system. They have a lot of, very good prospects. Very sad to see Nick Suzuki go in that um, right. Pacioretty deal. And I think the, the as much as Pacioretty's picked up his play of late, I think really the the jury's going to still be out on that deal until we see what Nick Suzuki becomes. Um, World Juniors, he did pretty good. So I say cautiously aggressive. If somebody wants to pick up a, a third-line winger for a fifth and, and is Lindbergh the guy they move, do do they package Zykov? Did they pick him up so they could package him with another player and create a roster spot? That I'm not really sure. Okay. I, I think their defense being eighth in the league right now and goals allowed, I, I think you can roll with that. Um, Miller gets healthy. Merrill's, Merrill's playing Really good defensive hockey. I believe that most nights there's still, you know, some mistakes, but most nights uh, the defense is basically the same core that got them to the Stanley Cup final last year. They're right eighth in the league where they were last year. Um, so I, I I don't see the need to go and move any more of those assets. That's you still need to build the depth in your system, Chris. Well, they've been aggressive. I mean, history has shown us the last twelve months, and obviously they. They got to the Cup final last year, so agreed. Um, the other thing to throw the other thing to throw out is um, they also have three second round picks in 2020. So, so yeah. I'm just wondering if they went to a team and said, "Hey, look, I'm willing to trade one of my thirds this year, and then one of my twos the following year." Um, they could probably now. Now they, you brought up a good point. Um, would they be willing to dab into a rental market on someone who, you know, they're just going to have for the for the for the playoffs for the for the spring run? So these are all questions that they have to figure out. Um, there's, like I said, there's no reason why they can't have another long run. Um, these are tough calls to make um, because they have traded a lot of ammunition. I mean, they do have kids like Randstrom and Cody Glass, uh, just to name a couple to be excited about, Nick Hague, right? Uh, another kid, Absolutely. second round pick their first year. So they do, it's not like the cupboard is there. But, you know, at the same token, when, you know, you know, over the course of the last 
few months when you've traded away a number of chips, uh, you know, and sooner or later you're going to have you have to hold the fort a, a bit. So that's going to be going to be an interesting thing uh, to follow with them. But they, the one thing I will say is, like I said, they were aggressive last year. They were aggressive for different reasons, uh, for a multitude of reasons, and they continue that aggressiveness in the off season. And when they, you know, when they flip, to, to basically ch- change Tatar into Pacioretty. So if I was a betting man, I would bet that they will continue to be aggressive. Um, but speaking of uh, trade rumors, how about this whole situation with Bobrovsky and the Blue Jackets? And right. he sat down the other night due to quote-unquote internal matters, which uh, no one seems to know. He's been an unhappy camper with them. It hasn't been a good relationship going back to the summer where he didn't come in to, I think, meet with the GM or whatnot. And, I mean, look, the writing's on the wall. He's Well, they, they have yet to get Pernanen signed. So, uh, the word I've heard uh, all along about those negotiations or those talks is professionalism. Now, maybe at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. He's going to wind up leaving, but it's been professional. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the case with Bobrovsky, who has a full no-move clause. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a tricky trade, though. Like, other than Calgary, can you name a team that's doing who has high expectations where you say, yeah, they're def- I could see them being in the market to get a big goalie? I mean, I can't really think of one. No, not really. If you wanted to uh, make a deal now, Philly could be. You know, whenever you talk about goaltenders, you always talk about Philly, right? Yeah, Throw but, them in the mix. Um, trade. You're going to be doing that to sign him, though, because he's a he's a free well, yeah, agent. You, you I hope mean, to do and, that. But you could trade a free agent yeah. to be in Wayne Simmons too, and Wayne Simmons could fit really nicely in that top nine for Columbus. Um, and they, I mean that they, they they could they have a plethora of backup goaltenders. I mean, pick one. Um, if they think that they could still make a push with better goaltending, and they know that there's problems there right now, I I wouldn't see I wouldn't have any problem with Philly going in right now for Bobrovsky. If you're gonna if you're gonna just move um, a free agent to be in Simmons, and he's been rumored to be on the block for quite some time, um, and a backup goalie and, and pick up Bob's for a rental. And then hopefully you don't really want to sign him long-term because Carter Hart's come up and he's played pretty good. I mean, be, being a rookie and with, with the trouble that they have, um, Oh, sorry. I got sidetracked. The, the trouble they have on keeping shots from getting on net, um, Carter Hart's played pretty good. So, um, I'm, I'm I'm just trying to think of of another team that would. I well, don't think anybody. That, the, go ahead. The teams you 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 you've kind of heard a little bit about um, uh, in terms of you know wanting him long term uh, is recently heard Florida and Vancouver, and um, is good. You know, which seems would, would make sense. But again, where those teams are at right now, I mean, they're not going to trade away big-time futures uh, for Columbus. And I guess that's the other part is for Columbus. Or if they're looking to move him, are they looking to make a move to help their team now and see if they can go on a playoff run? Again, this is a franchise that's had a lot of good teams, never never won a playoff series. Or are they looking for futures? Because he's, you know, uh, know, he's going to walk out the door and 
I, I don't. I, it's, it's really kind of a, a tough call. I actually uh, was able to confirm that we're going to have Mark Scheig of, uh, who covers the Blue Jackets inside and out in early February. So I don't know if that uh, situation will be resolved by then. I would tend to say probably not, but you never know. But I just don't. I don't know where you move Brabovsky. That's the thing. I don't see uh, a, a great fit out there for a deal. Trading a goalie, believe it or not is a tricky situation because there's usually only a couple teams that don't have one, and then you throw into the mix that this guy is going is a pending unrestricted free agent. And unless you're going to pay him a contract that's similar to Carey Price uh, right now, he's not going to sign. Yeah, for sure. No question about it. It's going to be – and we've been talking about this situation in Columbus for a while. That's why when we brought it up last week as we went around the league, I said that Columbus absolutely has to move both players. Um, I, I think you said the Panarin negotiations have been professional. Um, I, I agree. I also don't think that he will be back. He doesn't want to be in a small market. He does for whatever reason. He, I mean, kudos to him. He's kept it very professional, but I, I believe he's gone. And now if things are souring with Bobrovsky and, um, that it went. I mean, I can't believe that the the franchise put out a press release saying that he violated the professional conduct of the team. What does that do do to the guy's trade value? You just hamstrung yourself a little bit, in my opinion. Um, you're trying to paint the guy out as as a problem or a cancer in the room or whatever 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 the goal was of making that press release. It would have been a lot easier to say illness and uh, keep that in-house, you know what I mean? There's, uh, I don't think that helps them move him, knowing that there's problems in the room. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they're, think, honest, to a, maybe they're honest to a fault. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, I, not, it's not required in that situation, <laughs> sir. It's like it wasn't yeah. required for Dallas's CEO to come off the cuff and, and blast Ben right. and Sagan the way he did. I don't think putting out that press, it wasn't an official suspension. I mean, maybe it was official suspension or whatever. It wasn't a league-induced suspension. You just say, uh, not with a team illness. The flu's going around. Every team has some guys that are, <coughs> excuse me, miss some, miss some time this week with illness. Um, it, it's just not helpful. Um but and I'm going to stick to my guns from last week. I think you have to move both of them. And like you said, I don't, I don't. No one's going to take him as a rental um, unless they feel like well, they can bring. Well, it's just the price is going to be. Look, I, uh, I think they would do extremely well for Panarin, especially if they went the rental route. I mean, uh, excuse yeah. me, futures route, uh, because everyone can use a guy like that. It's different with goaltenders. You know what I mean? You know, for you sure. play defense been. 25, 30 minutes. Ford's going to, you know, that's totally different. No matter how deep you are or whatnot, you could always use a guy like that. You can only play one goalie. I mean, it's really that simple. So, um, I, I again, in terms of teams right now, uh, the only one that really jumps up to mind is, 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 is Calgary. I mean, if you're St. Louis or if you're Florida or you're Vancouver or, you know, a team like that, uh, and you're looking at both now and big picture, you're going to be very uh, careful about trading uh, away your futures. Or if if Columbus looks at it, like say, hey, look, we're going to lose them anyway. I'm willing to trade a Probovsky for a Wayne Simmons. Now, Philly's like really buried. I mean, they're going to have to call on a, an amazing run. And, you know, the East is a little bit different from the West from this standpoint. The, the second wild card, if you're the Blues, as bad as you've been, 
getting to that second wild card is not like climbing Mount Everest. Right now, right. if you're the Flyers or the Panthers and you look at the, you know, the way the teams are playing above you or right around that second wild card uh, in the East, that's a whole different kettle of fish. I mean, right now, there's a team playing really well in the East uh, that is not going to make the playoffs. Now, a lot can change. Um, and what I mean by that is when you look at the top uh, – let me just pull up the standings here real quick because we're going to have Andrew Forbes in a second. When you look he, at – He's like, with us right now, so finish your thought. Oh, okay. And the Sabres and teams like that, whereas in the West, it's totally different. I mean, I am, you know, not blown away between Minnesota, St. Louis, Anaheim, Edmonton. I mean, if someone were to get on a run – uh, that would be different. Um, whereas the second wild card in the East, um, when you got you know even you know Montreal and and Buffalo and the, you know even the Islanders or even a Carolina, let's not throw, forget about them. So anyway, uh, it should be interesting. But why don't we bring Andrew on? Yeah, I want to welcome Andrew to the show. You could follow Andrew on Twitter at Andrew G Forbes. He is. The I believe the lead writer at the Hockey Writers covering the Maple Leafs and the, and the Knights. Uh, Andrew, welcome to the show, sir. Again, uh, long-time guest. We appreciate having you back on. Hey, gentlemen. It's great to, great to talk to both of you again. Let me uh, let me just shoot a one nothing Islanders over to Chris real quick. Uh, Bovillier just scored. <laughs> just real quick. Well, we've had enough of the sample size now to get into the John Tavares and, and how he's oh. fitting in. Uh, yeah, I, I, I threw a little. I threw a little island uh, love to you. And now, now we'll go the other way. Um, Tavares, he's been as good as advertised for this Toronto Maple Leafs team, correct? Oh yeah, and I mean, it's, and then you no, know, I was saying, I was saying uh, the other night, you know, if he'd come over and put up twenty-five goals in his first season, uh, you know, back home, I think, I think people would be pretty impressed, and 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 you know know that it, there's more to come, but, uh, you know, to go out there and put up 29 through 43 games, I mean, that's just, it's, it's unbelievable what he's doing right now. Uh, I agree a hundred percent. If, if, if people gra- grab him on the, uh, their fantasy team at the start of the year, there's some happy people out there for sure. Um, were you surprised how quickly the chemistry on his line came together? Uh, not so much. You know, the biggest thing I think is, you know, if he was playing with somebody other than Marner, I think it'd be we, we'd be talking a little bit differently. I, I'm not saying he wouldn't be having the season he's having, but a guy like Marner just seems to click with so many different players. The way he goes out there and just controls the puck and controls the play, and, and he's able to you know create create off of possession, right? Um, you know, and I got to watch him him kind of come up through the London Knights uh, um, organization, and he did he did the same stuff throughout junior and. The way that, like I said, the way that he can he can gain the uh, gain the zone and and really just controls the play really opens up the ice for guys like Tavares. So to to be able to have that kind of chemistry on the first line, it's just you know it's, it's unbelievable the way that they've kind of clicked you know right off the hop. Well, that was uh, you know his nickname obviously coming up uh, with the Knights, but in draft year was the magician, and and we're seeing that grow into his game here in the National Hockey League. Is it a stretch to say that all around he's going to be the best Leaf of the of the big three that came up? 
I think in terms of like if you're if you're talking about you know you're talking about health wise and his ability to put up you know the offensive numbers and and still I mean defensively like the way that he plays in his own zone he he gets back he he puts 110 percent in every game and I think you know he had he had a small slip up last season where his play started to come into question he got he got posted on the fourth line for a little while and and really learned his lesson I think you know he it's not a stretch to say that he's going to be maybe the best out of the big three, but I don't think you ever really question Austin Matthews. I think the big question, the big thing with Matthews, sorry, is just health. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you get a guy like him staying healthy throughout the year and he's going to be right there with, with Marner in terms of, you know, point production. And I mean, just look at, look at the production through their first, first, you know, couple hundred games and, you know, Matthews is averaging a point per game where, you know, Marner's just a little off that pace, but he's been able to stay healthy over that span. So if you get that consistency and that health, you know, your health stays, you know, hundred percent while you're, while you're, you know, through the season, I mean, Marner's definitely going to be up there and I'd be shocked if he didn't get a good payday this, this coming uh, summer. Oh, he, he's got to get a payday. I mean, I remember when, when we were cut, when we were doing our draft preview that year, um, the only knock on him was his size, and, and I kept calling him Little Mitchy Marner, but um, he, he's creating some big skates to fill. They they have to, to pay him, and that, that leads me to my last question for you on the big three. With the contract that Nylander signed, is, is it out of the realm of possibility that he's moved either at the trade deadline or at the end of the season to make room to sign both Matthews and Marner? Well, I, think, I think you really have to consider it, and the, the problem right now is, you know, you've signed Nylander to this massive contract, and you know he's just not producing the way that that they they envisioned. And, and it's not just offensively; like he's just not skating. He just doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, it, like he doesn't seem to be involved in engaged. What, yeah, engaged. He doesn't seem to be engaged in the play the way you know he was over the first couple seasons of his career. And you know, when you're paying a guy as much as you're paying. You know, Nina, you want him to be able to come out and give you know 110 percent every game. Um, is he is he a guy that possibly gets moved? Maybe. You know, you're going to have Gardner off the books. Are you going to bring him back? Like, there's a lot of questions surrounding this Leaf team going into the off season, and you know, I, I don't think there's any doubt that Dubas is going to find a way to get both Marner and Matthew signed. And uh, you know, if that means moving a couple of other pieces, that that's exactly what he's going to do. And lastly, before I bring Chris in, um, there has been rumors in the last week or two that um, team, teams like Arizona could offer sheet, and the one season max, I believe, is fifteen, sixteen million dollars. Um, I don't know if that's something that the Maple Leafs would be worried about, but certainly, if that situation came up, they could—they don't have any room to combat that. They would have to take their assets and lick their wounds. Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest things is uh, you know I think. If you're Dubas right now, you're you're preparing for any kind of situation, and obviously sure. that's going to be in the back of his head as well. And I know there was rumors about uh, San Jose possibly looking at Marner, and um, you know the issue there was that San Jose didn't have the first round picks to send back to Toronto if they were to offer a player like Marner. So I, I know there's a lot of a lot of uh, factors that are going to uh, they're going to buy into whether a team can offer sheet one of these guys, but. Um, you know, if you're Dubas at this point, every every possible option is in the back of your head, and 
And sure. uh, you're going to be looking at it from that standpoint. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he's going to try and get something done as soon as the season's over with both these guys. Cause I know, I know Marner's expressed uh, that he doesn't want to discuss contract during the season. And, and I know Matthews is probably, probably in a similar boat, but uh, from what I understand, the two of them want, would like to stay in Toronto and, and uh, looking for, you know, long-term deals that uh, will keep them there for, for the majority of their career. So if, if that's the case and, and you can finally, you know, find a way to get lock up some, some key core pieces and, and, and make, you know, open up your window for, for many years to come. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're talking with Andrew G. Forbes from the Hockey Riders on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm going to bring in Chris. Uh, Chris, go ahead, sir. Andrew, great to talk to you again. So um, maybe it's me, but to me, we're on another collision course for the Bruins and Leafs in terms of uh, first round of the playoffs. I know there's Montreal and Buffalo are in the mix as well, and Toronto is a little bit more cemented than the other teams. Uh, but uh, I guess uh, how you know we, we we saw that movie last year, which wound up being a really rough Game Seven for Toronto. Um, if we do get that matchup, as anticipated, how does this version of the Leafs stack up to this year's versions of the Bruins? It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough ride again. I think you know the the nice part about uh, about the Leafs Bruins series is. You know, it's exactly what the NHL always wants. Is it's a lot of goals. It's lopsided wins. It's you know, it's it's a feistiness. It's um, animosity. It's exactly what the NHL wants. So for the NHL, it's a fantastic thing if if the Leafs, in fact, do meet up with Boston in the in the first round again. Um, I think the biggest issue with with Toronto is just finding a way to stop that big three on Boston. You know, get Pasternak who just tends to clean up when he when he plays the Leafs and then Bergeron and Marchand are, are not far behind him as well and you know when the Leafs do find a way to shut those guys down you got a guy like Krejci who will be a secondary piece for the for the Bruins and, and always seems to get it done as well so I think the biggest thing for Toronto is finding a way to shut down that big three um, and then on top of that you're going to have to find some sort of um, some sort of physicality that maybe you didn't have last, last year that uh, you can really you know, force into the lineup and, and try and, and try and beat this Bruins team at their own game because that's what they do is they they get them off their off their game and, and guys like Marshawn go out there and, and pull stunts. Uh, it gets the job done and you know the Leafs need a piece like that. They should have had Martin in the uh, in the lineup last season and and they didn't and I think that uh, that ended up hurting them in the end. Now, given given that, um, I think it's no secret. I thought the Leafs are bad uh, in, in terms of, I mean, I think they've been probably played a little bit better than people expected uh, defensively this year. But um, they could definitely use another uh, quality blue liner. Uh, I don't know how long of a list that's going to really be in terms of who's going to be available. I think there will be a number of forwards that will uh, be available that if teams are looking in that regard. I don't think the defense is going to be as, uh, as, as great of a list and uh, as long of a list. But be that as it may, how aggressive do you think Toronto will be between now and the trade deadline to try to improve, improve that blue line and using some of their future chips? Well, I think, I think you know, it goes against a lot of what, what the the talk is out there, and I think the Leafs are actually pretty pretty happy with where their blue line's at. And I, I'm not sure I agree. I know I wrote something uh, in, the, in the preseason about, 
you know, the Leafs are still pretenders and, and they've got to find that key cog on the, on the blue line. But um, I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head and, and there's not a lot of options out there for, you know, if you're looking for like a rental or if you're looking for that, that type of piece, uh, if you're, if you're going to get something, it's going to be somebody who's got some term um, and you're going to have to give up some pieces in, in the, in the end to get this, this piece. But I, I really don't think that, that Toronto is going to get, you know, a number two, three defenseman. I think you're going to be looking at more of a depth guy. Um, and I think Dubas knows what he needs to do. And it's not, you know, you, you're sitting okay with scoring. You need to find that that extra piece along the blue line if you're going to get uh, get the job done come playoff time. So, um, you know, I, I think they're going to try and be an, be an aggressive team come trade deadline. But, uh, again, you know, there's not a lot of options out there at this point. And uh, I think that's going to be ultimately what uh, – what causes the Leafs to kind of stay stand pat uh, as the as the deadline passes? Yeah, I think unless someone unexpected who who signed becomes available, uh, and mm-hmm. then and then the and then the other problem you, is which you brought up too. Uh, this is the thing when you're in a cap crunch, uh, both you know uh, pending well and in a cap crunch, is you have to not just look at okay how much does this make our team better, and then from the standpoint of long-term being able to fit this player, unless we're talking about a pure rental. Uh, so, Andrew, before I hit you back with Mark to finish up, uh, the question I have is the other team in the division, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Can the Leafs beat the Lightning in the playoff series? And I guess the bigger question is, can anyone beat the Lightning in a playoff series? It's going to be it's going to be tough. I think, uh, you know, Tampa's, Tampa's got a lot of that secondary scoring going with guys like Braden Point who, you know, people knew he was going to be good, but did anybody foresee him being this good this quickly? Um, you know, you don't even have some of your other guys going. Like Yanni Gord's had a, had an okay year coming off of last season. Uh, Stamkos has had a you know, average season. He hasn't had – it's not the Steven Stamkos we've seen in the past. Um, but, you know, like this is a team that's getting all kinds of scoring from all over, and – and, uh, you know, that makes it tough to, to compete when you've got, you know, three, possibly four lines going at a time. You know, it makes it, it, makes it tough for them. And that's, uh, you know, they, they haven't even had, like, the scoring from some of their blue liners that they, they've had in the past, past year. So I think, I think it's going to be hard to compete against uh, Tampa. Um, that said, come playoff time, anything can happen. And, you know, we've seen Tampa go in as the top seed in the East before, and, you know, it uh, it doesn't uh, doesn't always turn out well for them. So, um, you know, it, it'll depend on injuries and, and health of, of their players. And I think, uh, you know, if, if they can stay healthy and Vasilevsky can stay healthy, you know, I think I think Tampa is going to be a tough team to beat uh, down the stretch in the East. Actually, well, one one last one before I hit you with Mark. If Toronto, let's say, has another place like a Boston in the first round and plays well like they did last year. And lose a you know in a long series like last year. How will the fan base be? Will they still be like okay, we're still going in the right direction, or will they? Do they really need to make a step this year? I think uh, I think there's a lot of pressure on them this year to make that step. Uh, you know, I know I know you've got a lot of kids still on this team, and a lot of a lot of guys just just you know kissing their twenties, um, but uh, you know. Th- thing is like when when they when they first got Matthews 
the, the talk was this was going to be a five-year rebuild. Now you're in year three of that five-year rebuild, um, you know, but uh, you want to take a step every season. And right now they haven't over the first two years. They've had some great, uh, great playoff games, but uh, not, not series yet. And I think that's where their next step is. They need to take this, uh, this first round series against whoever it might be, um, and they need to they need to move to that second round and and really see the success, share it with their their fan base because you know this is this is a love hate fan base. This is this huh. is a Canadian fan base. This is going to be you know if you can't if you can't get it done, um, you know you're going to hear it and, and we've seen it before. We've seen this story play out before. You know when when the Leafs hit rock bottom, uh, you know a few years back and. Uh, you know they'll they'll let you have it if you if you don't get the job done. So I think I think anything less than uh, you know getting to the second round even this year is is going to be a failure. And you know I would even I would even go as far as saying that the Leafs should make it through two rounds if if they want to to really notice what they've what they've accomplished in these three years. No, I agree completely. We're talking with Andrew Forbes on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're, real quick before we have to let you go. Um, uh, Freddie Anderson, he he's been hurt. He, there was talk that he may play tonight or Monday. Do you have an update on Freddie Anderson for us? Uh, from what I understand, he's uh, expected to go tonight. Um, obviously, he's going to take uh, pregame and and see how he's feeling. But uh, yeah, as far as I know, he's supposed to go against Boston tonight. Okay, that'll be a good test to, to see where he's at. The first game back, kind of. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> we saw. Um, Carter Hutton's first game back after a few off um, last night didn't go so well for him, but some of those goals weren't really his fault anyway. But um, mm-hmm. if you had to look, last question, if you have to look down your crystal ball at the end of the season, um, where 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 do, does Toronto end up? I know we talked about having to get to second round to please the fan base, but, but realistically, is this an Eastern Conference final team, a Stanley Cup team, or a second round team? I think I think you're looking probably ahead to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think it's going to be you know it's going to be a tough tough road though. Um, I heard you guys talking earlier. You know you've got you've got some good teams that uh, could potentially miss the playoffs in the East with you know Buffalo's playing well. Uh, the Islanders are playing you know better than people expected them to. Uh, heck, even Montreal's having having a good season thus far, but. You know you're going to be you're going to be up against some tough teams, and like I said uh, about Tampa, you know anything can happen in the playoffs. Um, Washington's sitting first in the Metro right now, but they're you know does the Stanley Cup hangover kick in later in the season? Um, there's just so many factors playing in, but uh, I think uh, anything less than a second round berth for Toronto would be would be failure. I think uh, this is a team that could potentially find themselves in the Eastern Conference Final. Well, I will say this: they, if they get to the Eastern Conference Final, people are going to be talking cup because that means they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in all likelihood in the second round. Correct. And yep. Uh, yep. you know, so uh, I, which honestly, I you know, the way it lines up right now, you would say it would be the toughest matchup. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a fifty-fifty proposition. I mean, look, I think Boston is a little bit better in goal and a little bit better defensively. Toronto has more firepower. I think it's critical for Toronto to get that finish in second. So this year, if there is a game seven, it's in Toronto, not in Boston. Well, I think I too, agree with that. It's going to be it's going to be hugely based on Boston's ability to stay healthy. I mean, they've 
you know, at one point this season they were without six defensemen and uh, <laughs> yeah. first run at the same at the same time, right? So that's going to be huge if Tuca can stay out of his own head. I mean, there's so many factors that play into Boston, and they can come out and be the Boston Bruins we've seen in years past, and they can come out and be the Boston Bruins that we've seen at uh, at times this season, right? So um, it, it, that that's going to be the big thing if if they can get guys like Big Z to stay healthy and and uh, you know Carlo to stay healthy and that's that's kind of where where their advantage I think lies when it comes to playing the Leafs. I will I will disagree with you on one point, Chris. Right now, if yep. they're both healthy, Tucker Rask and, and Freddie Anderson, I'll take Freddie Anderson right now. Maybe not if you you really? know if you look back at, at, and give him a, a lifetime achievement award. Did you see Game Seven last year? Where, That's last year, sir. Game for Freddie. That was a That's rough last year, sir. Game. I'm talking about I'm, right now. I think Freddie. I I I hear what you're saying. Um, to me, Freddie Anderson's a little. I don't know. He's not. The, he's not Jake Allen, but uh, I've seen too many a couple moments here or there, like last year in Game Seven, where Tuca. I, I'm still a believer in Tuca. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but yeah, it would be it would be a great series, no doubt. Yeah. Well, look, we got to run, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you for uh, coming in, taking some of your Saturday to talk some hockey with us. We always appreciate having you on the show, sir. Your Maple Leafs inside is second to none. You guys can follow him on Twitter at Andrew G. Forbes, F-O-R-B-E-S, or go over to thehockeywriters.com and check out his work on the London Knights as well as the Toronto Maple Leafs. Is there, any, is there anywhere else on, online where you post your stuff? Uh, no, that's, uh, that's basically it right now. I'm working on uh, a new... Uh, my new rankings for uh, the upcoming draft this year, uh, probably do a top 93, maybe maybe go a couple extra rounds there as well. But uh, right now I've got my 93 top uh, prospects coming out in the next couple of days. So just uh, keep an eye out for that. Oh, nice. definitely. I, I definitely. Let me guess. Yeah, definitely. Jack Hughes is Jack Hughes number one. Jack Hughes is number one, yes. <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. You just blew it, Chris. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Two Boy, through that, ten will be that, it. I tell you one thing: everyone's going to be on pins and needles on those teams for that those ping pong balls. Lose for Hughes, uh, baby. Uh, Hashtag lose for Hughes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, Andrew. We'll let you go. Thank you again. We'll be in touch soon. All right, gentlemen. Anytime. Uh, love talking hockey with you guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate Thanks, it. Andrew. All right. All right, that's Andrew Forbes. Always good to have Andrew on, and no matter if it's talking draft, if it's talking Leafs, whatever the case may be, um, good guy, good guy. Always enjoy Andrew. Good friend of the show. Absolutely, absolutely, and definitely check out his stuff. Not, uh, he's he's great on the draft. We we've had we had him one year do the mock draft with us. He's terrific. Follow his stuff. Uh, I'm gonna keep an eye on. Actually, I'm gonna write a note down right now so I don't forget because that's what happens when you get older. Um, yep. uh, but uh, that draft ranking. So if your team is kind of out of it, uh, uh, you know, something to kind of look. Can't King stand, Sorry, I didn't say it. Hello. I was thinking it, but I didn't say. It. Um, <laughs> I'm looking for uh, it. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely check that out. But I want to before we go, I want to give a quick hit. This week it was announced by Batman that Seattle was shown some love, and. They said that they were going to get early in their existence, which in the first few years, both the NHL draft and the All-Star game. And for me, uh, I think it should be a no-brainer that the June draft, um, confusing my years now, 
that right before they come into the league. They come in in October, right? October 2021. 20, do I have that right? I think I have hey, that right. Is I don't even time? know if that's finalized yet, right? Are we still waiting on the official? No, no, no. They're start? coming in. They're coming in October 2021. Right. Okay. So to me, that June, the draft should be in Seattle. Like their first first t- year in the league and the first time in the draft, the draft should, that should be a no-brainer. It should be in Seattle. And then well, you're going to have. Their first You're year, gonna have the expansion draft first, there a, a week before. Don't mean to interrupt there you. you go. And, expansion yeah, draft and, will be. And, and let's have the let's have the All Star game in Seattle that first year as well. I mean, let's really kick it off for Seattle. I mean, you know, they'll get into it a lot more than any other city would. I, I mean, it's probably already planned to where that game is, but I, I don't know. I I think particularly the draft. Get get it off and get it kicking for for Seattle. I, don't make them wait three four years to get a draft or get an All Star game. Um, I don't want them to have an All Star game before Vegas. That's not right. Yeah, I guess from that standpoint. But I'm just you got to sl- Vegas. We, we, Vegas we've proven. I mean, we've proven our worth, sir. We need an All Star game. No, I know that. I know that. But I'm just saying to get the city really going. Not that they're. They're not excited, and not that they haven't uh, were worried about tickets or anything like that. Or, uh, but um, yeah, I, I just would like to see. Uh, uh, to me, uh, you know, a couple of those things to, uh, it, you know, have that sooner on the agenda than later. And to me, in terms of the draft, that should be a no-brainer. It should be in Seattle. Wasn't the uh, that year? I mean, we had the expansion draft in the award ceremony here. And then wasn't the draft itself in, in Carolina, I want to say, the year the Knights came in? God, I can't even remember. They all kind of <laughs> went together. Years ago, but, yeah, the, 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 um, I want to say it was in Carolina. That was kind of weird where you had uh, the, the whole hockey world here in Las Vegas for, for the expansion draft, and then you turn around and, and have to leave and go do the draft in, in another city. I like, I like where your head's at for the uh, – Given the expansion draft and the amateur draft to Seattle in the same season, I, I don't have any problem with that. Logistically, it would be better for that franchise to just be able to stay home and do their thing. Um, but the All-Star game should come to Vegas. before. And, and you know what? All that's going to happen during a lockout anyway, so it's a moot point, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. But I just saw that as like, let's, let's get it going uh I agree. Uh, I agree. Seattle. I like the. So we got. I like. So we got some go shows coming up next next week. We got JD Styles coming on board. Uh, yes, great to have JD back. Uh, Talking Kings and where they're at. Uh, should be a fun conversation. Following week, we're going to have Russ Cohen on from Sportsology. Talk Flyers and his thoughts on the World Juniors and who he jumped out at him. Who he really liked, both in terms of current prospects as well as. Uh, Kids coming up for the draft. Get his thoughts on Jackie. Uh, whoopsie. Oh, and then finally we, and then we have Lyle Richardson of Specters Hockey the week after that uh, to preview the trade deadline, and then the week after that we'll have uh, Mark Shigon. So uh, yeah, we got a lot of good shows uh, uh, coming up. I'm looking forward to it. In the hopper, in the hopper. Once again, great show, Chris. Always good, always good to have Andrew on. Great job pulling our guests. Uh, Chris is the content. 
coordinator, director, however, however, however you want to say it for the show. Um, all, all the guests that he, he brings on are, are always fantastic. You guys know that. So kudos to Chris on getting Andrew back and JD next week. We're all real happy to have JD back in the fold. Uh, we'll be talking to him next week. We'll get insight on the Kings if he's on board the hashtag lose for Hughes train or if he still sees any hope for uh, any sort of a run this season or not. Um, but that's going to do it for this week. We got a run for Chris on Mark. We're gone.